Hey everyone, it's Anna. Welcome to part two of our NSYNC episode where we discuss NSYNC's No Strings Attached and celebrity albums. If you have not done so, please listen to part one so you get the full chronological story. Also, because this was all recorded on the same day as part one, we still have a bit of the echo issue, but it did get resolved about halfway through. So please enjoy part two of NSYNC. Okay, so moving on to No Strings Attached. So No Strings Attached is the album that broke all the records in March 2000. And the singles that came from that album were Bye Bye Bye, It's Gonna Be Me, or It's Gonna Be Meg as it's now known, and This I Promise You. The themes of the album, it's really significant to NSYNC because it came off the tales of the legal battle with Lou Pearlman. And the album, this album in particular, really set them apart from Backstreet Boys. The sound was completely different. And they were really looking for, within the album, what's new? What's the new technologies that we can utilize? What is fresh within the music industry? And they're also thinking about what the future is. And they had more access to better quality production and songwriters than they did within their previous album. And JC and Justin really started taking a little bit more reins within the writing and production side. And there is definitely more of a balance with JC and Justin being the true co-leads of the group. They're definitely much more experimental with their hip-hop influences. There's some New Jack Swing influence as well. And then there's also some electronic in there, which is a really good indication of the celebrity album, which we'll get into next. So one of the things I wanted to throw in was part of the reason that they were able to branch out with their sound was that they they didn't know if they were going to still have music careers because the lawsuit, part of the lawsuit was that uh, Lou Pearlman was threatening to take their name away. And you take the name away and you've taken away this brand that they've tried to build for so long. And they were a little bit of a risk at that time because they were in legal limbo. So a lot of established writers and producers at the time were a little bit afraid to work with them. So they really had to tap whatever network they could to do these collaborations. And the reason why so many songs that they had put on the album were songs that they had written themselves was because they were having a hard time getting people to collaborate with them on the record. And I think that that is part of the reason why this album is so highly regarded and, and really viewed as such a triumph was because they they got to do whatever they wanted and they got to showcase their real, actual talent for the first time. They weren't the whole theme of the album, no strings attached. They're not puppets on a string anymore they're they're loose, they're free, and they get to take creative freedoms that they weren't able to take before. So it was sort of a happy accident. I remember being out at our our desert house um, when this album came out, and I remember buying it, and all I did was just 
sit in my room and listen to it like the whole trip that we were out there. And I knew at the time knew every word to every song on here. I didn't understand no strings attached when it came out. I didn't really, you know, like that, that stuff looking back now, it makes a lot of sense. But, um, you know, I just thought the puppet on a string thing and the music video for that song was them in a toy store, right? That was for, it's going to be me. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you know, I just remember that being like really cool. Yeah. Um, I just felt like this album was, it was a lot of different sounds and I remember the music videos being better. They were really good quality. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like there was a lot of money spent on them or just, you know, a lot of production that went into them. So let's talk about Bye Bye Bye. Their most iconic song by far. Maybe this tied with It's Gonna Be Me. But one thing that I really love about Bye 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 is um, a lot of boy band songs, the lyrics are very metaphorical. Bye 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 is super literal. It's like straight up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's it. I think it's such a standout with a lot of other boy band songs. The first time I heard Bye Bye Bye, I was in the backseat of my friend's minivan and I sort of drew the short straw and I was sitting in the middle and two of my friends were on either side of me and they were dancing to it. And I got elbowed in the ribs for several minutes and I was not a happy camper. So every time I heard that song for years, I sort of like, (laughs) almost like I held my arms in like to my body really close. And I was just like, this song brings back painful memories of getting elbowed in the ribs by my friends. (laughs) But of course I'm over that now and I love it. And I can't listen to that song without doing the dance. (laughs) I, um, for an assignment, a project, like a class project, I had, it was a group thing and we had to film a commercial for like some fictional product. And I, I don't remember like what the exact assignment was. All I remember is that the product we had was called Poofy Kosh and I don't know what it did. Like I truly couldn't tell you, but we used this song in our commercial and we like changed the words it was like poofy bye 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 or something like that. So every time I hear this song, I I think of that very random commercial we filmed on the trampoline. <laughs> Someone was like dressed up. I, I wish I remember more like what it was, but I always think of that poofy bye 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 because it was poofy, whatever the poofy kosh is. And so that has always like that, that lyric that we made up always stands out in my head when I hear this song the first time. That's amazing. (laughs) I wish I had that video and it's somewhere. Okay. So any other thoughts or do you want to move to, it's going to be me. Let's move to, it's going to be me. Okay. All right. So this is the song that obviously has, you know, taken over the meme sphere. (laughs) I mean, back in the day, I remember when I first heard It's Going to Be Me, and I remember thinking, oh, my God, I love this so much more than Bye Bye Bye. Really? I like yeah. Bye 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 better. Really? Yeah. I first heard this when, um, do you guys remember when during this time at midnight, the radio station would play the entire album? Yeah. So I heard this on the radio like at 12.03. <laughs> so excited to hear other songs from the album other than Bye Bye Bye. And then the beginning of this, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I, I liked this song better than Bye 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 as well. Yeah. And it's also uh, likewise a literal yes. song. But I don't know. I just I liked the the flow of it. 
better. Maybe it's because Max Martin wrote this one. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, this is NSYNC's only song that hit number one on the Billboard chart. That surprises me. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know. You would have thought bye, 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 but no. I definitely would have thought bye, bye, bye. Or yeah. God must have spent a little more time on you. I think that hit number five. It didn't get to the number one spot for sure. They were robbed. <laughs> Let's get into the future and talk about Space Cowboy. <laughs> this is my favorite song. All right, this is Tina's favorite. Um, so we're going to play this, and and then we're going to let you know our thoughts. So this song was written by JC on an airplane, and he recorded it on, I think, a cell phone and he left himself a voicemail message with the Y-I-I-Y-B-I-A part, which makes the song really catchy. And you know, the the feature with Lisa Leptai Lopez from TLC, of course, is a standout. But what jumps out at me and the reason why this song is one of my favorites is that lyrically, I think it is genius. As far as I know, and I'm probably wrong, but it's one of the songs, only songs from that time period that addresses the elephant in the room at that time, which was the Y2K bug. And, you know, everybody thought all the computers in the world were going to crash because they were going to confuse the year 2000 with the year 1900 and planes were going to fall out of the sky and the banking system was going to collapse. And there were some groups in the country that thought, especially in the United States, that thought it was the end of times and the beginning of the apocalypse. So people, there was a run on banks. It was a disaster. And this song addresses that paranoia. You know, he he starts off with here it comes, millennium, just right out of the gate. And everybody's talking about Jerusalem, which is, of course, the end of time. Um, Is this the beginning, the beginning of the end or the beginning of the end. Here I am making up my own lyrics. To me, that just jumped out as being like, oh, wow, this is deep. You know, yeah. it's it's one of the only songs I think that really captures that moment and says, this is what people are talking about right now. This is what we're all afraid of. And then, of course, it takes a typical J.C. Shazay spin on it and it's super positive and it says, well, let's just jump on a rocket ship and and right away, but then of course there's that sexual innuendo that he's known for, and it's just it's a classic, and I I think it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and one thing to keep in mind is this was written in 1999, and it was supposed to be released in 1999 as well. So it was pre 2000, and of course with all the delays and the lawsuit, the album didn't end up getting released until March 2000. So that's why that perspective is in that song, even though it was released after the millennium. Plus, watching it live is fantastic. I mean, I've never I've never been in the audience while they did it live, but. In the Pop Odyssey tour, for example, they come out and they're they're on the wires and they're flying over the audience and JC just tips himself upside down and sings just, <laughs> you know, super casual while he's hanging upside down several feet above the audience and they're all screaming at him and he's just hanging out. All the choreography on this album and the No Strings Attached tour was just fantastic. Yeah, plus plus the mechanical bowls. <laughs> oh, yes. That's from the Pop Odyssey <laughs> tour. That was great. Okay, so moving on to Just Got Paid. So this is a Johnny Kemp cover. 
Johnny Kemp was an artist during the New Jack Swing era. And as we've discussed on this podcast, New Jack Swing was very influential to all of the boy band music to come in the late 90s, early 2000s. And NSYNC doing this song really signifies that influence. This is also a really fun one that they did live. Yes. Yeah, this is a fun song. I like this one. Yeah. Makes me ill. So Candy Burris from Now We Know Her as Candy from Real Housewives wrote this song. Real Housewives of where? She's on Real Housewives Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. Makes Me Ill is probably my favorite in sync song. And I think it still holds up today. And I think that there is a reason why Ariana Grande sampled this song as yeah. well. I like this song a lot. I mean, I could I can sing all the words to it still. But I remember when it came out, when this album came out, listening to it, it's different. Like, it was a little bit of a different, same with, like, Space Cowboy and, and Digital Get Down. It was a kind of new, you know, it's not what you were normally expecting from them. And I really liked this, like, move. I thought this was a cool song. Yeah, and I always felt like it was a fan favorite. Yeah. This song, I felt like we would sing this song in class, on the bus. Like, this was the song that everyone would sing, especially at the beginning. <laughs> yes. All right, moving on to This I Promise You. So this is a song that was written by Richard Marks, and JC and Justin co-leads the song, but this is really JC's moment. This is a this is a really great ballad, and it's very Richard Marks. Yes. I mean, I so I love Richard Marks as an artist, and you can see, I mean, it's it is a really beautiful love ballad. Absolutely. Everyone made the comparison. Oh, Backstreet Boys did really good ballads. NSYNC did really great up-tempo songs. And this was like, oh, if you think Backstreet Boys can make a good ballad, so can we. <laughs> yeah. This song is absolutely beautiful. And I I love that this is sort of the full circle moment for JC because the first song he ever sang in public for an audition for the Mickey Mouse Club was a Richard Marks song. So the fact that he got to work with Richard Marks on this album is sort of as a, as a JC fan you're kind of going yeah 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 it's just his part in it is just brilliant when they sang at the Atlantis concert and there's that footage of them standing in the aquarium and they're singing it the modulation on it is so good perfection perfection and i have to when i listen to this song I, there's if it comes on while it's playing on a playlist sometimes i have to skip it because it's so disruptive. I have to stop everything and and just listen to it. So moving on to No Strings Attached. So this is one of the songs that JC wrote and this is another fan favorite and this started the No Strings Attached tour with them coming down from the top of the stage and coming down on the the strings. The strings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it is an iconic song with an iconic beginning. And also, just personal note, the dancing on the song, I think, is my favorite dance that they do on that tour or have ever done. This is another J.C. Chazé masterpiece, which I love. The other thing that I love about this song is they used this in The Simpsons as they're, they're dancing in and then they dance out during all of their scenes. And... <laughs> It's hilarious, number one, but 
Also, I remember watching that little clip on on YouTube not that long ago, and somewhere down in the comments, someone said, I didn't realize that that was an actual song. I thought that that was something that was created specifically for The Simpsons (laughs) as sort of a, this is a quintessential boy band of this era. Yeah type of just puppets on a string yeah like like musical like just a little musical blip and the fact that it's actually part of a song and it just so encapsulates the overall music of boy bands of that era but it's so iconic yeah and I think the meaning behind it too right like the song is a love song about you know if you want it here's my heart no strings attached but there's also that messaging after the, you know, the lawsuit and, and all of that. Okay, so moving on to Digital Get Down. So this is another song that JC wrote, another fan favorite with an iconic performance. And it is probably one of the first songs ever about cyber sex. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> and this is a fan favorite because of its performance, really. And... I don't know if we should get into the specifics of the performance, but <laughs> if you're an InSync fan, you know. We're going to link it in the show notes for sure. <laughs> there is a moment involving JC and the stage. Um, I remember reading a review, a critic's review of this song when I was doing a little bit of research. One of the critics said this probably goes over the heads of the braces brigade but their parents definitely understand the innuendo and some of their older fans probably understand the innuendo and most likely appreciate it just because it's something a little different and a little edgy (laughs) that's so interesting um is it bad that I knew exactly what the song was talking I about? Yeah, I did too. It's pretty <laughs> obvious. I mean, I never wore braces, but I was definitely part of the braces brigade that they were talking about at the time. I was like, you know, when you're 12 or 13, and I, I think you've talked about this in your last episode about, you know, turning turning red. Yep. Is that what it's yeah. called? Yeah. Um, you know, people, people don't realize that. Someone at school was talking about Somebody at school cyber was sex. talking about it. And, 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 yeah. Like, you know... You're you're aware of some things. You don't necessarily know everything, but you're aware at that age. Right. right. Again, JC envisioning the future. Well, yeah, because this was like <laughs> the beginning of an era where cyber sex existed, right? right. Like it wasn't a thing before because there wasn't an internet. They were just so ahead of their time. When he was interviewed on Lance's podcast and he said, oh, no, it it wasn't about cyber sex or I never did any of that. It's like, yeah, it's literally (laughs) called digital get down. Sure. (laughs) Okay. I can't even interpret that a different way. Yeah, exactly. It's like you knew exactly what it was and you're not fooling anybody. No. <laughs> no. And also it's okay. Like you, you don't need to pretend like that's not what it exactly. was about. You're like a 20 okay. something year old man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we know. <laughs> okay. So the next song is bring in the noise. And I'm just going to skip this one because I don't even remember this song. It's, it's not a memorable song at all. <laughs> it reminds Great. me of space jam and I'm going to embarrass myself again. And I already did this on Instagram where I thought it was bring in noise oh <laughs> not bring in the noise like no. physically bring it inside <laughs> yes <laughs> yes it took me a very long time to realize that 
that was not it. All right. So the next is That's When I'll Stop Loving You. And this was written, of course, by Diane Warren. And the only thing that I want to note is JC and JT's shared power note at the end of this song is fantastic. It's another example kind of similar to For the Girl Who Has Everything, where they're really showcasing their vocals, both of them at the same time. It's a, I mean, it's a really pretty love song. Yes. Not my favorite song. Yeah. It's a good song. Yeah. Okay, so the next is I'll Be Good For You. And honestly, I didn't really care for this song when it first came out. Now, listening to this entire album, like top to bottom, I have to say I really like this song. And I think that this song still holds up. So Justin, actually, this is the first song that he ever wrote for NSYNC. And he did it along with Alex Greggs. And how it's produced, you can really hear Lance within the harmonies. It's really cool because you can't, I, I can't think of another NSYNC song where you can hear Lance so much. This is another one of those songs that makes me think, <laughs> it definitely has that R&B flavor to it for sure. Yeah. yeah it's not my favorite. Okay. I mean, it was, it's fine. Like the okay. vocals are great. It's yeah. just, you know, I would listen to the next song. Okay. Okay. So the next is I Thought She Knew. So this is the last song on the album. Any thoughts on this song? This is probably probably one of my favorite NSYNC songs of all time. And I was just Googling because I was trying to remember what other song it reminded me of. And it reminds me a lot of The Hardest Thing, the 90 Degree song, The Hardest Thing. You know, it's one of those like very sad love songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, th- you know, this one, I remember when this came out, I really liked this song mm. a lot. Well, it definitely showcases their harmonies. Yeah. And I never really made the connection that it is kind of similar to the hardest thing. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see where you would think that for sure. Yeah. I, I love that you can hear all their voices in this. I love Chris's voice mm. in this. I think it's really beautiful. And the vocal arrangements for this were done by Robin Wiley, the late great Robin Wiley. And the guys from InSync have all said that they consider her the sixth member of InSync because she was really instrumental in developing their sound and that rounded out five-part harmony that we know and love. Yeah. And it's just, overall, it's just a really beautiful song and it showcases all of their vocals so nicely. And you can hear Joey, which I yes. love. Yes. yes. I love it because you don't really get to hear too much of Joey. The current topic surrounding the the band is I mean you know in the last few years has been justice for JC and how he he really deserved better and I a thousand percent agree with that but in terms of underrated vocalists of InSync, I I think Joey definitely doesn't get the props he deserves and Chris too mm-hmm. I mean and of course Lance yeah. You know, you can't, but it, it's hard to, as a bass, sing much of the melody. But in terms of just vocal style and versatility, Joey's got it. So does Chris. And I, I love that you can actually hear, you can hear that and you can appreciate that in this song. And I wish that this could have been a single. I, I think mm-hmm. that I don't know if they would have earn more respect from 
people in the music industry and also just from the general public. One of my favorite memories, I should say, about this song is the fact that they performed it on Saturday Night Live. Yes. On network television. And I think that's such a flex. And I'm so (laughs) glad they did that. It was such a bold move. And again, kind of going back to previously within our conversation, talking about how NSYNC made a lot of risks as a band that not a lot of other bands during that time made. So this was just another example of them really taking a risk of not only recording an acapella song on an album, but then performing it on such a big live stage was, yeah, so bold. And nobody talked about it. Yeah, it's too bad. Honestly, I think now that we're talking about this song, now I think this is the song that should have won them the Grammy. Absolutely. I don't disagree. I agree. But it wasn't a single because that time you really couldn't market a song like this. Yeah. And they already had this I Promise You, which. Right. You know, they're not a ballad heavy group. Yeah. They're not. They weren't known as that. So now we are on to NSYNC's Celebrity album. Yay. (laughs) So the singles from this album were Pop, Gone, and Girlfriend. And despite what a lot of folks think, it's pretty evenly balanced between JC and Justin co-leading, with the exception of Gone, which Justin is leading the entire time. And Justin is leading a little bit more on Pop, mostly because of his beatboxing at the end. (laughs) And the single choices for Pop and Gone, you know, they highlight Justin a little bit more. But if you listen to the album as a whole, JC is on a lot of this album as well. The themes of this album and kind of the the focus of this album was to create an electronica sound as kind of the, the musical backing with the boy band harmonies featured. So it was definitely super different than other boy band records at the time and really cool, really innovative. I definitely have more of an appreciation of this album now than I did at the time. This was, because this was about the time where I really became an NSYNC fan, I loved this album. And it, I think it's unique in that this was sort of their foray into more hip-hop and R&B, especially because of the the people that they collaborated with, the the writers and the producers, and they worked with the Neptunes, and um, they worked with Nelly. And they also worked with BT. Yeah. So kind of the electronica fusion in there as well. Yeah, and I think um, the song Girlfriend, at least, um, ended up, playing on a lot of uh, hip-hop stations, um, which at least I don't think they really played a, a lot of, like, pop boy band, you know, at least the, the white boy bands that right. were, you know, like, super poppy, so, like, the Backstreet Boys or New Kids on the Block. Right. I, I don't think that they ever quite made it onto the the radio um yeah, the only the only exception I would say if you want to consider bring it all to me. Oh, yeah. Which what which did play on R&B and hip hop stations. And of course, as we know, and we'll get into this in the JC episode, that 
it was um, listed as it performed by NSYNC when it was really just JC. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the terms, an- the baggy jeans, <laughs> <Doug> peel. <laughs> it's a classic. We were all feeling it. It's a classic. So just just something to note there. So I felt like this whole album, I equate it to Taylor Swift when she shifted out of country and moved into her pop era. This album for me was NSYNC's version of that. And personally, in my like love of NSYNC, this album was probably my least favorite because I preferred the sounds of their previous albums. And I definitely felt that way back in the day where this came out and I was like, oh, I definitely prefer No Strings Attached. But like I said, now I have an appreciation for the direction in which they moved in because that's where the music industry was kind of moving at that time, too. Of course. I also felt like this album, and I think you alluded to it a little bit, was setting Justin's solo career up. Yeah. It it was just like there was some sort of positioning going on in the background there. Yeah. um, That, I mean, because that's exactly what happened after. Exactly. I think that's the general consensus. Yeah. 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 There was definitely some, you know, politics going on for sure. There's so many great songs on this album. So I believe Justin and JC both wrote four songs on this album each. And the songs that were released as singles were the songs where Justin was more prominent and Justin wrote. And the songs that honestly I connected with more were the songs that JC wrote because they were very similar to the the songs on No Strings Attached, but also at the same time moving them a little bit forward. So let's get into the album. So the first song on the album is Pop. And Justin wrote this with Wade Robson and BT produced this. Justin and JC co-lead this song, but it, it leans a little bit more Justin for sure. I love this song. I know a lot of NSYNC fans don't like this song all that much. It's our namesake on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, it is the name of the podcast. I love this song. <laughs> I love this song. I love the music video. And I know all the dance steps. <laughs> Pop. It's a bop you know it's it, like it's catchy I hated the beatboxing at the end and it's not a Justin thing I just I just like wish the song stopped before like I wish there was a version of the song that stopped before this Same. Uh, because it just yeah. get, it goes really long and again I don't want any like Justin fans to come after me because it's not it has nothing to do with him it could be JC that was doing the beatboxing and I would be like I don't want to listen to this like right. I, the song's done yeah um <laughs> but it, it this one definitely this album as a whole for me, I was just kind of like, ah, the sounds change. Even on the last one, like Space Cowboy and Digital Get Down were like moving that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this album, for me, I was just kind of like, ah, I don't think this, like, I just don't think, I don't think I listened to it as obsessively. Um, so, you know, Pop, the first song on the album um, and and one of the singles, I was just like, oh, I don't think, I don't think this is it. Like the, the sound is is changing. Yeah. Mm. It definitely was changing. I think it was a little bit edgier. Yeah. Mm. It's just more mature. And that's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. Just personally, um, I, w- I would listen to I Want You Back, you know, a thousand times. Yeah. So the next song on this album is Celebrity. And I feel like it's very similar to pop because it kind of has that same sound. Justin also wrote this with Wade Robson too. And I actually believe that Wade's uh, vocals are in this song too. If you listen, it's like, but you got, <laughs> Oh, I had no idea. Oh, 
do you want, do you oh, want me no, to play no, a little no. snippet? I can hear it in my head. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. but I... I'm pretty sure that's Wade on the on the track. Mm, that's nuts. Yeah. So the third song on this album is The Game Is Over. And actually, I think that this is definitely up there with my favorite NSYNC songs. I actually think that this is a super cool song. It actually samples the Pac-Man music, which is pretty cool. And of course, JC wrote this one. You know, Justin def- and JC definitely co-lead, but that third verse on this song is just everything. JC goes full metal on all of us, and I am so here for it. I honestly, I think this this song should have been a single. It would have been really, really cool music video, like video game themed, and they kind of do this within the live performance at the Pop Odyssey tour. But it was so much fun to see that live. I mean, that this is really one of those moments where you realize how versatile performer JC is. I mean, when he actually performs this, but uh, when he did a, a live performance of um, during Schizophrenic, when he was touring with Schizophrenic, and he just lets loose. He could definitely be a rock musician. I want him to put out a rock album so bad. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, JC should have gone... R&B for his solo career. And I was like, no, he should have gone rock. He had <laughs> he, a really good voice. He could have gone that. metal. Yeah. Honestly. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Rock. Rock was get, the direction. Yeah. You don't get the the full effect of, you know, the, the power and the anger behind the, the vocals in the recording right. in the album. But when they perform it live. Yeah. It. Is it's explosive. JC takes it to another level, as he usually does. Yeah. <laughs> I love in the song, whenever JC and Justin are singing at the same time, like their their voices just blend so perfectly. Yeah. And you can really hear that in this song. It's just it's so cool. Yeah. And they they really play off each other too. They really do. Okay. So the next song is Girlfriend. Any thoughts on this? This was released as a single, as we know. We kind of already talked about this, too, how it was played on R&B and hip-hop stations. Um, any other thoughts on this song? Well, Nelly was on that single. That's right. Right. That's right. He was. For some reason, this reminds me of going on a very long road trip in the summertime. <laughs> this was released, I believe the album was released in July. Yeah. And I remember just, I think I was driving up to Maine and just sitting on the highway and baking it was so hot out and just like seeing the steam rising off the pavement and the song was on the radio like every 10 minutes this song was on the radio a lot yeah they just played this song again and again and again and again so the next song is the two of us and this is another song that jc wrote also it's one of the two songs that were influenced by the two-step garage music that was coming out of i believe england at the time it's a cute song there's fan footage from the celebrity tour when they perform this and their little dance that they do is super cute. They're doing like these cute little shuffle two step kind of dance moves. And it's just, it's, it's cute. And then we're at gone. This song hurts my feelings. <laughs> I can't listen to this song. It makes me sad. I feel like it should have been released as a Justin song. Yeah. Yeah. This was because it's pretty much a Justin song. Yeah. 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 One thing that I do have to say is when I saw the Pop Odyssey tour, this song really stuck out at me when they performed it live. And I think because of how the sound was mixed when they performed it live, 
I didn't realize that this was all Justin leaving. And because when they performed it live, it was really cool. They were sitting on the on the stairs and every single time they sang Gone, the, the stage would light up. Yeah, it was just it was really, really cool how it was performed. But I had heard that song for the first time on that tour because it was prior to the release of the celebrity album. And I was like, wow, this is a beautiful song. And I couldn't wait to hear it when it came out. And then when I did, I was like, oh, I didn't realize this was all Justin. So it was a little disappointing, but it's still an objectively really great song it's a well-written song it's a solid pop song but to fans of NSYNC that like the harmonies like the dynamic between Justin and and JC you don't get that in this song no what sticks out in my mind is the moment when they're performing this on the pop odyssey tour and Justin at the end is doing some melodramatic falling on the ground and very gratuitous gyrating and hip thrusting at the end it's very there's a moment where you're going are, are you okay <laughs> should, should we have brought one dollar bills to this performance <laughs> is, this, is this makes me ill is this the beginning of makes me ill <laughs> <laughs> there's something going on there he really just he goes for it yeah all right so the next is tell me tell me bye bye another max martin song it definitely sounds a lot like their older stuff yeah. from No Strings Attached because of the Max Martin sound. Yeah. Is this the one at the beginning where they start singing and then you hear JC go, wait, hold up, can we back it up just yes. a little bit? And yes. that's the sound of broken glass. <laughs> yes. For some reason, I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> just like, I don't know why they have broken glass, but that sounds really cool. Well, it's also kind of cool because it's it kind of showcases JC on the production end of things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like wait stop back it up and it's like that's what a producer would do yeah yeah okay so the next is up against the wall so i believe that this is the other two-step garage song that they did and i really liked when they performed this live i thought this was super fun me too again that uh, sort of bootleg footage from the celebrity tour the, their performance of this was really fun. I mean, it wasn't with, you know, the trampolines and the Velcro that they had during Pop Odyssey, but, um, you know, I, I just really like how they mix things up a little bit and it was, it was a fun one. And this is also a, a JC song. He wrote this one. Okay. So the next is See Right Through You. And Justin wrote this song with Wade Robson and, this song is just iconic because we get the line. <laughs> Does he freak you the way that I do? With the shimmy. <laughs> I, I just really enjoyed the live performance, and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think this song is super fun. Again, really cool when they did it live, and JC is just extra, as always. <laughs> Speaking of extra... Now we're on to Selfish. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. JC's singing his heart out, and it's another one of those stop everything that you're doing and just watch this man sing. Yeah. That belt and the bridge with the key change, I'm like, holy. This is crap. also, I mean, the Brian McKnight influence yes. in there is unreal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Brian McKnight produced this song. So yeah, there's a definite yeah. influence. One thing that I 
don't really care for in the song is the uh, the keyboard. Yeah, that kind of dates it a little bit. It does. It almost reminds me uh like it, it almost goes back like to early 90s ballads like yeah. a, like a Brian McKnight song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Yeah. I mean it, it's you know, you have this little moment of nostalgia and you go, yeah. "Oh, that's nice." Yeah. But you're right, it really it does kind of date the song. I rewatched a lot of concert footage. And it was a, several months ago at this point, and I remember I'm sitting in a room alone watching this on my computer, and I'm going, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. His vocals are perfection. Perfection. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next song is Just Don't Tell Me That, co-written by Christian London, who also wrote Bye 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 and is also one of Max Martin's writing partners. Very typical Max Martin sound. Just don't tell me that you are going to love May. This <laughs> <laughs> is another May sound. Yeah, a lot of people have this this idea that it's going to be me or it's going to be May is the only song that me is pronounced May, but it's pretty much in every single yeah. Max Martin song. <laughs> yeah, it's in Britney Spears songs. Yeah. It's yeah. in, I probably, it's oh, in Backstreet yeah. Boys songs Britney too. Spears, I mean, yeah. yeah, I can think of that like very specifically. Yeah, um, and even One Direction songs. I would have to go and listen to those. All my life you stood by me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it works. Okay, so the next song is Something Like You, written by Justin and Robin Wiley. And, um, oh, Stevie, okay, you can you can tell, yeah. tell us this. Uh, Stevie Wonder actually plays the harmonica on this track, and a, a goofy little behind-the-scenes story is that Justin actually criticized him while they were recording it and told him that he played the last note flat, which is pretty ballsy. <laughs> but, you know... I didn't realize that they collaborated with Stevie Wonder. That's interesting. I know that they Stevie Wonder was a big influence of theirs, mm. and they just so happened to get him into the studio. That's interesting. I know that Stevie Wonder worked and collaborated with 98 Degrees, mm -hmm. so it's kind of interesting to see that Stevie Wonder has collaborated with multiple boy bands yeah. of that time. <laughs> He's an icon. Yeah. Okay, and the last song on the album is Do Your Thing. And I think that this is a super cute song and it's a super nice send-off on the album. It was actually on the Girl Where You Alone podcast where they talked about how this is just a really nice end to InSync's collection. And it's just kind of this really nice send-off of, you know, do your thing. It's okay to grow up a little bit. And... This is going to be the last new song that you're ever going to hear of us again. They're going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought that that was so beautiful. I never really thought about this being a send-off until you just mentioned it. And I think that that's really sweet and very symbolic, but also absolutely heartbreaking for NSYNC fans. But oddly enough, this was the opening song that they did on the celebrity tour again with the cute little song and dance. And it was really sweet. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It's just, it's very cute. It's almost like a, like a peppy little graduation song almost. <laughs> I kind of feel like it reminds me a lot of, um, the two of us where it's just this like cute little upbeat song. Yeah. Yeah. 
And shout out to Girl, Were You Alone? We miss you all so much. And I should also note that they were a huge influence on this podcast too. And we hope that that you know their influence is evident in not just this episode, but all of our episodes. Now I'm gonna. This song is gonna make me sad. Now that you <laughs> mentioned this, <laughs> this is the last new song of Insync's you'll ever hear. Well, technically, they had songs on the On the Line soundtrack, which mm. came out after this album. So, I loved the song On the Line. I l- absolutely love that song. But the song that jumps out at me from that soundtrack is Joey's version of Ready to Fall. Yes. And so good. You you realize like, oh my God, everybody's been sleeping on that voice. Yeah, I and know. His voice is beautiful. And I think that I I read this somewhere and someone made a really good point. If NSYNC had three lead vocalists instead of two, they probably would have reunited at some point because with Justin not being there and doing his own solo career. all the solos would really lie on JC and then either other people would have to pick that up or JC would have to do it all himself. If Joey or Chris were much more prominent in having solos, they probably would have been able to survive without Justin. So it just, it makes me really sad because Joe, both, like we've said, both Joey and Chris are incredible and Lance too. It's just really too bad. But yes, his version of ready to fall is Awesome. Uh, and their their vocal styles are also uh, quite versatile. I and I don't think that we really got a a good showcase of Chris's voice. And this is going to sound so stupid, but when he did Chip Skylark or Fairly Odd Parents, <laughs> you but you hear he's got a little bit of that rock edge to his voice, and he really pulls it off, and mm-hmm. it's great. And then I think he was on Going Country. Do you remember it was a reality show? Oh, I don't know. CC, it, do you, did you know that? Oh, that's, I don't. It sounds like it might have familiar. Yeah, it might have been on like the country music channel or something. I don't know. I didn't, I just watched it on YouTube. Mm. I I think he like, covers a, a Patsy Cline song. Oh, that's cool. And he's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. I do know that Chris had a rock band at some point. He did, Nigel's Eleven. Yeah. Yeah, and I I would love to kind of do a deep dive into that music too. Yeah, but he really has, I mean, and he's also written songs and, you know, I don't think we've ever really got to hear them. Actually, he wrote Falling on the On the Line soundtrack. He did? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yay, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love his voice. Yeah, I, I mean, he, they're all just so incredible and... We want you back. <laughs> yes. I would I would love to hear Lance do country song covers. I know he was a big Garth Brooks fan. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. I think if there's if there's a musical genre that really showcases a, a deep bass voice, it's it's the country music genre. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah. I can't believe we did this by 4 p.m. Oh, wow. Honestly, impressive. (laughs) This was a lot. This was a lot. And we didn't even get, like, we could have, honestly, we could have done three hours on each album. Yeah. Really. Um, But, yeah, it was a lot. And I knew it was going to be a lot, but I just wanted to see how it would go. (laughs) 
because <laughs> um, I mean, this is this is the first episode that we're doing where we're doing a deep dive into a band. So, <laughs> really wanted to start with O Town for this reason. Oh. Yeah. Well, well, we've now like done it, so we know what to expect for the next exactly big, you know, bigger band. I guess Backstreet Boys is going to need to be two episodes too, because they oh, have a absolutely lot more. they have a lot more albums. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to This Must Be Pop. Add us on Instagram for additional content and to be the first to find out which band will be featured on the next episode at This Must Be Pop Pod. That's This Must Be P-O-P-P-O-D. Got questions or suggestions? Email us at thismustbepoppodcast at gmail.com. It'd be so wild if you know because vinyls are cool because they're like they're vintage It'd yeah be so funny if like cassette tapes and, oh, <laughs> and cds came back as vintage, vintage. oh god <laughs> god I'm, I'm i'm not ready even just for like the millennium styles to be coming back in fashion with the the youth, the teenagers, <laughs> just like feel so old. It is interesting though, because when we were in high school, we were very into like 80s nostalgia and 80s yeah. music and 80s movies and stuff. And it's just, it's every 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, like the 90s were, I mean, like flower power was, was the big thing. And everybody was like flower power and peace signs. And my yeah. parents were like, that was our thing. Yeah. Yeah. Very influenced by the 70s and the 90s for sure. That's why bell bottom jeans came back. Yeah, they're coming say, back. I remember bell bottoms were like low rise bell bottoms were like the thing. Yeah. Ninety seven was the year of bell bottoms and beanie babies. <laughs> yes, beanie babies. <laughs> it's our our retirement savings plan. Oh yeah, I mean, I truly thought that if we collected them all. <laughs> yep. Oh man.